Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Real life. Hey, wait a minute. What's the name of your church? Real life Christian church. Real life. Get real with another edition of Think About It. Real life messages from Pastor Dennis Rasper from Real Life Christian Church. And now, let's listen to the message from Pastor Rasper. And the purpose of this message is not to go into all the details of creation versus evolution. I'm sure a lot of you have heard a lot of those details. But what we need to see in this series is what the devil wants to accomplish through this lie and these lies. I mean, these lies come from demons. The lie of evolution is right out of hell, folks. It's right, it's right from demons. And it's back to John 8, The devil is a liar by his very nature. It's who he is. Jesus said that. And if the devil can get us to believe his lies, one or two things is going to happen. The first thing that is going to happen to people is if they believe his lies, like the lie that you can be saved by your own goodness, is that's going to keep you out of heaven. And if you are a believer and believe these lies, you'll be deceived to the point where, you, where, you, where you're going to lose your joy and lose your witness and lose your testimony. And devils are going to dance at that too. And, you know, we say, you know, evolution says, well, we, we somehow evolved from an ape-like thing. And, and there's fossils of apes and fossils of men. But somewhere along the line, don't you think you would find a half-man, half-ape? Somewhere along the line, don't you think you would find a three-quarter man and a one-quarter ape or a one-quarter man or a three-quarter ape or something like that? And those fossils do not exist. And so we have to ask the question, if evolution took millions of years, where are all those life forms? Where are they? They're just not there. I don't really want to go into all this in this message, I like to get in this stuff, but um, our Heavenly Father wants us to get down to where you live every day. So we want to take this lie, creation versus evolution, and bring it down to where you live every day. A Christian man in astrophysics, a man named Hugh Ross, wrote the book Fingerprints of God. And I bought the book and I, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand six words of that book. But I did get the bottom line, and the bottom line was this. Hugh Ross proved in the Fingerprints of God, he proved mathematically that once there was nothing, and then there was something. He proved that there was a day of creation. He, he showed mathematically that there was nothing, and just like that, bingo, there was something. He proved that God spoke, and it was. And then Hugh Ross took his research to universities all over the world, and he, pre he, presented, the, 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 these math, he presented these mathematical findings to um, university departments of astrophysics all, all over the world. And everywhere he went, I mean, these, the, these intelligent astrophysicists said, you, 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 your math is impeccable. We agree with you. We agree with you. I mean, you know, we can't dispute it. You're right. According to your math, there had to be a creator and a day of creation. And so Hugh Ross said, then why don't you accept it and quit teaching evolution? Here's what they said. They said, first of all, we'd be excluded from the intellectual community. We would be the laughingstock of the intellectual community. And so we can't for that reason. That was the first reason. And then the second reason was this. If we admit God made everything, we have to accept him as sovereign. We'd have to accept the Bible as truth. And that means we'd have to live by it. Now listen, I've known some pretty nasty people who are into some pretty nasty things. And these nasty people are into pretty nasty things. So many of them still listen to their mom. I mean, these nasty people who do nasty things still listen to their moms because they say, well, she brought me into the world and she gave me life and she birthed me and all that stuff. Well, these university people are saying the same thing. They're saying, if God made us, 
if we're products of divine creation, then we need to listen to him. See, now he makes the rules in our lives and we don't. They didn't want that. I mean, listen, you can prove that evolution makes no sense. You can point out, here's ape fossils and here's man fossils and there's nothing in between. Or all the missing links. I mean, you can look at all the cogent arguments against evolution and they all make sense, but people will always believe evolution for one reason. To say, because to say God made me and made everything means that God created me with a purpose. And I better get in line with that purpose and that he's the Lord of my life. And I don't care how many books we read on creation and evolution. That's the reason people believe evolution. To believe evolution is a rational choice not to believe divine creation. Because if you believe divine creation, you have to necessarily admit, God is the Lord of my life and I got to get in step with his will for me. And I don't care what else you say, you can look at all the other arguments against evolution, but that's the reason people are going to believe it. Because it doesn't make sense, it's irrational. But that's, how they're, that, that's why they're going to believe it. And I look at this whole creation evolution thing, and man, I had so many thoughts. Man, I had an outline this long. How long do we have? But I boiled it down to three thoughts. Three thoughts. Man's wisdom says we evolved. And God's word says he made all things, okay? So it's kind of man's wisdom versus God's wisdom. And it comes down to this. You're going to believe man or you're going to believe God. So we go to Matthew 19. In Matthew 19, the Pharisees asked Jesus this question. They say, well, verse 3 of Matthew 19, some Pharisees came to him to test him. And they asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any, any and every reason? And so the question is, can husband and wife divorce because we don't agree, because we're always arguing, or because she doesn't take care of the house, or he's moody, or whatever? And obviously Jesus Christ says no to that. Now look at his answer, verse 4. Look at this. Haven't you read? He replied. Now get this, that at the beginning, see that at the beginning, the Creator made them, what, male and female, see? Now, the first thing I like about that is he says, at the beginning, and he talked about male and female. What does that tell you? What was the beginning, folks? The beginning was that six-day cycle of creation when God made male and female, Adam and Eve. So what's that telling us? It's telling us that, 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 that this world is not millions and billions and billions and billions of years old because creation began with male and female in that six-day cycle of creation. And how from Adam, from Adam to Jesus, 4,000 years. And from Christ to the present, 2,000 years, 6,000 years roughly. And then he called God the creator. And then he said this word made, he made, look at that, or created. He made or created them male and female, but he made them. You know what fascinates me, this whole, the whole wisdom of God and creation, this whole male and female thing. In God's wisdom, men are driven by testosterone. Now you got to think about this. This is God's wisdom. Men are testosterone driven, women are estrogen driven. And testosterone is what makes the man the provider protector. That's why... Men are aggressive and go out into the world and they find their identity in their job. Men are more sexually aggressive. That's all testosterone. But estrogen is why kids go to their moms when they hurt. That's my argument for divine creation. You know, I'm serious about it. I'm really serious about that testosterone and estrogen, man. That, that, that's, do you see the wisdom of God in that whole thing? I mean, that just happened by some cosmic haphazard chance expl explosion. I mean, I think about this all the time. I load the, I come home from Myers, you know, shopping for groceries, and I load the car, and, and I want to make, I want to take it all in the house in one trip. And so um, I'll, 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 I'll put these fingers around one bag, and that thumb around another bag, and these fingers around another bag, and that thumb around another bag, and I got something under my arms. 
And I think about fingers and thumbs. I think about that. I thought about that walking into the house a little while ago, and I said to myself, I, you know, I just wanted to praise God with David. Psalm 139. Lord, I, I, am, I, I really am. Fingers and thumbs and arms and, and, and this body. I really am fearfully and wonderfully made. But folks, that is the wisdom of God because all the parts of our bodies, I mean kidneys, tibia, fibia, medulla, every blood cell, they all do work together. They really do work together. Now, to tell me that happened haphazardly. And people believe the wisdom of man, evolution over God, divine creation, that all that should happen by some haphazard chance process of evolution where all this just bang happened. Folks, that isn't even rational. That is an insult to human intelligence. I, I, I once had this ophthalmologist and um, he was a crass evolutionist. He told me that when he was examining my eyes. I told him I was a pastor. And he told me he didn't believe in God and he believed in evolution and all that stuff. And his dad and granddad believed in all that stuff too. No, no, he, at that time he did believe in God, but he was telling me this story when he was doing my eyes. He told me then he went to med school and he studied the eye. He said he looked at the intricacies of the eye and he said there's no better camera ever made. You couldn't make a camera that perfect. And he said he reasoned this couldn't happen just, just by chance. And so he had friends who were trying to get him into the Bible and he began to examine the Bible and one thing led to another and the man came to know the Lord, much to his, grand, his, his dad and his grandpa's dismay, but he saw the perfection of the eye. You know, you want to talk about the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. You've got to look at the wisdom of God and creation. And this is Psalm 104. Psalm 104 is the creation psalm, folks. And I'm just going to read some, some things here in verse 5. In verse 5, Psalm 104, verse 5. Notice what it says. It says, He set, He set the earth on its foundations, and it can never be moved. You know, jump down to verse 10. He makes springs pour water into ravines, into the ravines. It, the water flows between the mountains. They, the mountains, give water to all the beasts of the field. And the wild donkeys quench their thirst. See that? The wisdom of God. The birds of the air nest by the waters. They sing among the branches. Look at verse 14. He makes the grass grow. He makes the grass grow. What? For the cattle. It's the wisdom of God, see? And, 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 and plants for man to cultivate. I like the next verse, verse 15. He makes wine that gladdens the heart of man. God makes wine to gladden your heart, obviously in moderation. And look at this. He makes oil to make your face shine. God wants your face to shine. God wants your heart to be glad. God wants you to eat. God wants there to be. Do you see the wisdom of God in nature? And it all builds up to verse 24. How many are your works, O Lord? In wisdom you made them all. Isn't that a great verse? How many are your works, O Lord? Look at that. In what? In wisdom. In wisdom. In wisdom you made them all. See, the wisdom of God, folks, and it boils down to this. Here's where it comes down to your life and my life. No matter what's going on in my life, I'm going to go to God's word first. I'm going to go to God first. God's plan for marriage and family, folks, it's in here. You want to know how to raise your kids? You want to know how to fix your marriage? It's all in here. You go to God's wisdom. This mom um, said something that offended her daughter. I don't know exactly what it was, but the daughter was in a snit. And she went to work the next day and she told her friend at work, and I've got friend in quotes, what her mom had said. And her friend at work said, um, well, I wouldn't call her until she apologizes. 
And so this goes on for weeks. You know, two stubborn people not apologizing. Now, see, that's man's wisdom. That's man's wisdom. But God's wisdom, see, now here's God's wisdom. See, this is what I'm getting to. This is the difference. Man's wisdom versus God's wisdom. God's wisdom points us to Christ on the cross. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Oh, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Oh, but wait till they apologize. Is that what he said? No, he just said, Father. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. See, that's God's wisdom. That girl needed God's wisdom. When you forgive, you release somebody. I mean, you don't wait for them to make the wrong right. You don't wait. I mean, you don't wait till you get some recompense to forgive them. You don't wait till they apologize. Real forgiveness means you don't demand an apology. You don't demand anything. You release them. And then you release yourself from dwelling on this and letting the stupid thing build up and you see. And you free yourself and you free them. See, that's God's wisdom that this daughter needed to hear, not her friend's wisdom. It's the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. And you have to look at the word of God and you need to go with God's wisdom. It's, you know, and evolution says basically man's wisdom is superior to God's wisdom. That's what evolution is telling you. Man's wisdom is superior to God's wisdom. I mean, nobody just speaks, evolution says, and says, let there be, and, and it is. And so we have to come up with some complicated, almost absurd theory that nothing can create something. Just think about that. This absurd theory that nothing can create something and everything evolves from that something that nothing created. Now, come on, does that make any sense? Do you see how ludicrous this is? But that's man's wisdom. That's man's wisdom and devils have people believing that most people believe that listen i want to tell you something you will take 12 giant steps forward in your faith if you will train yourself and this is a discipline to ask yourself what does god say about this situation and you go to god wisdoms first i like to use the word knee jerk it's almost a knee jerk automatic reaction you go to god's wisdom first and you say wait a minute wait a minute before i make a a knee jerk decision i want to think about this if there's time to think about this i i want to think about this let me let me pray about this let me ask people who know the word people i trust what god's will is that's what you need to do. I want to go to the Word before I act. I want to get God's wisdom because God's wisdom is always right. It's always. God will direct you in His Word, what He wants you to do. It's all. And if you don't know it, then you ask people. Then you ask people who do know it. It is always, always, always right. Um, evolution thought number two is evolution robs us of all dignity and all significance. Let me say that again. Evolution robs us of all dignity and it robs us of all significance. See, I want to be significant and so do you. But evolution says we came from primordial slime. Now that's, uh, that's significance, isn't it? <laughs> God had no hand in your creation. You happened by chance. You came from slime and to slime you shall return. And so what do you do between these two slime pits, your birth and your death, your beginning and your end? How do you find any meaning or significance in life? And here's the point of this. Satan doesn't want you to have any meaning or significance. The lie is you came from slime and you can't really be sure if there's life after death. We had a message on this already. You can't really be sure of life after death, so grab it all right now, see? Meaning, there's no real significance between your birth and your death. And folks, most of the world believes that. They really believe that. And most of the world asks the question, you know, what's life all about? They really do ask that question. Now, here's the truth. That's the lie. And here's the truth in Ephesians chapter 1, and this is verse 4. 
for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. For he chose us, listen, he chose us to be in him, or he chose us to be in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, meaning when Jesus comes again. And he did this, look at this, in love, those two important words, in love. Now that's the truth. That means God literally thought about you. God literally fashioned you and me. God literally put us together in his heart and mind before the creation of the world. Now that's significance. Jesus Christ left his home in heaven. He left his home in heaven with the Father. Now just read descriptions of heaven in Revelation 22. Revelation 21 and 22. He left that home in heaven with his Father and became a man on this earth and lived perfectly and died. He died as a substitute for you and for me. And that's your significance. Substitutionary love. I love this one. The Father in heaven, this is Psalm 55, desires to give you the delights of your heart. He desires to give you the delights, the very delights of your heart, if it's in keeping with his perfect will. Listen to this. He invites you into his presence, and then he applies. Listen, this is so great. Oh, man, this just, it bowls me over. God the Father invites you into his presence. He wants to give you the delights of his heart. He already sent his son for you, and he invites you into his presence, and he's going to give you, he's going he's to channel down to you for your particular circumstance all that he has and all that he is. I don't know if that gets to anybody else, but God the Father in heaven is going to channel down to you and me all that he has and all that he is. I mean, that's significance. I mean, you're not living between two slime pits. I mean, John 17, verse 24, you got to look at this. The, word, the big word is want. John 17, 24, the Father want. Father Jesus says, I want. I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. What's that telling you? He desires your presence with him in heaven eternally. That's the heart of God. Is that significance? Now, how many kids are going to school, colleges, high schools, even elementary schools, and they buy into this slime to slime stuff? No significance. Slime to who knows what and where. See, that should drive us to tell people about significance of Jesus Christ. You know, I'll be talking to people, and, um, and I know they're lost. And I'll walk away from them, and I'll think, well, let it go. Let it go. Then I'll think about hell and where they're going and what their end is. I say to myself, wait a minute, I can't, I can't just walk away from that, see? So I'll go back and engage them in conversation again, and I'll be a little bit bold. I'll be a little bit bold this time. But even if you don't think about hell, think about what significance they could have that Satan and his lie of evolution doesn't want him to have. I mean, a loving God who takes all he is and all he has. And it's like a funnel, man, just a big funnel. He funnels all he has and all he is, and he funnels it right down into your life for what you need at the moment. Man, I'll tell you, for his children who believe in his son. See, look what you have to give away. You have that to give away. I pray that when you want to walk away from somebody and you think what they don't have and what you have to give them, I pray that, I, I, I pray that you won't walk away from them. I pray you rethink it and go back and be more bold because you have that to give them. We have significance. They don't. They don't. Oh, I've got so many more thoughts. This is the last one. Creation shows us God's power. That's the big one. Creation shows us God's power. I mean, I look at the power in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, what's the beginning? That's time, the beginning of time. In the beginning, time, God created the heavens. 
that's space, and the earth, that's matter. In one verse, God created, created time, space, and matter. How? By the power of his word. Just by the power of his sheer word. Now look at verse 3, Genesis 1. And God said, he said, let there be light. What's it say? And there was light. <laughs> now look at verse 6. No, verse 9. And God said, there's his word, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place and let dry ground appear. Now look at the next four words. And it was so. God spoke. And it was so. Something from nothing. God's, God, God can do that. God spoke and it was so. I mean, I'm not an expert on this stuff, but I know when the Bible says God said, and it was so, I know what that means. And the psalm writers always, they always take you, they always take us back to creation. Man, you got a problem, they take us back to creation. Here's our memory work for today. Psalm 121, verse 2. Psalm 121, verse 2. Um, the writer says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from, excuse me, where does my help come from? And look at verse 2. Here's our memory work. My help comes from the Lord who, no, no, the maker. I'm sorry, my help comes from the Lord, the maker, the maker, the maker of heaven and earth. We turn to the Lord for help. Why? Because he has all power, the power that made all things through the power of his word. There was nothing, he spoke, and it was so. Folks, that's our God. That's our God, folks. And demons don't want you to think like that. The devil wants, listen, the devil doesn't want you to turn to him. I mean, just think about this. Get a hold of this and it'll change your life, man. I mean, you got something going on in your life that's too much for you. Instead of holding on to it, we can release it. We can release it. We can say, Father, this is bigger than me. Ever say this? I I'm tired of dwelling on this. I'm tired of thinking about this all the time. I'm tired of letting this thing upset me. You take this. Isn't that great that you can do that? But then you say, I will obey you. And wherever you take this, I will accept it. I'll accept it wherever you take that. Listen, folks, you can do that. I mean, you can bring peace and order and sanity back into your life. Why? Because of Psalm 21, verse 2, my help comes from the Lord, who the, the maker, the maker of heaven and earth. I got to tell you something, there's never been a time in my life when I let go and God didn't do the very best thing. I'll tell you, the very best thing. And, and so I ask you, I got this in big capitals, will you and me ever learn that? <laughs> and so today we've seen the lie of evolution. We've seen it's, it's totally irrational. If man evolved from an ape, I mean, we have fossils of apes and fossils of man. Here's the fossils of man. Here's the fossils of apes and nothing in between. Where is evolution? See, it just makes no sense. There are so many missing links and so many unanswered questions that, um, that, that, that Satan gives us. This is from Satan in this complicated process. And it's so much more rational, rational, just to take the Bible at its word that God made the world in seven days as we know days. We've seen the real reason for evolution. You know, if I accept divine creation, then I have to accept that God in heaven is the Lord of my life, not me. And all other arguments, I, I gotta say this again, all other arguments, I don't care what arguments you come up with against evolution, it, it's this whole issue of the Lordship of Christ. 
people. You, you, you can convince people rationally it's stupid, evolution is wrong, but they will always cling to it. They will always cling to it because the whole deal is the lordship of Jesus Christ. If, if evolution is true, I'm Lord. If divine creation is true, he is Lord. And it all, hear me, it all boils down to that. Then you've got three thoughts. The demons behind evolution want to direct us away from the wisdom of God. And they want to direct us to the wisdom of man. And we defeat Satan and we defeat evolution if we make it automatic. Our first automatic reaction when you have a choice, when you have a decision, what does God say about every circumstance? Every circumstance. Second thought, we didn't come from slime. I mean, look at the significance we have. All that God is and all that God has belongs to us. And we need to tell people who think they evolved. And, 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 you know, they're looking for some kind of meaning or some kind of significance in life. You know, you've got to, you've got to build into their lives and you've got to tell people where real significance lies. And thirdly, we saw Psalm 121 verse 2, how God's word keeps taking us back to his power and creation, teaching us to release, teaching us to let go, teaching us to trust. And I pray that these, um, these words may be a, a great blessing to you in some way. Think About It is sponsored by Real Life Christian Church. Real Life Christian Church meets in Endeavor Middle School. 22505 26 Mile Road, just west of North Avenue in Ray, Michigan. Sunday service starts at 10 a.m. Visit us on the web at rlcc.us. Never miss a single message from Pastor Rasper. Just go to faithtalk1500.com and download the Real Life Podcast. And until next week, may God's Word do a work in you. Real Life Christian Church. Get real.